You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Mark Sundin is the author of Car Camping, The Making of Toro, North by Northwestern. His new book is The Man Who Quit Money. Thank you for joining me, Mark. Thanks for having me. Mark, uh, this man who quit money is a remarkable man, and by coincidence, he's somebody you've known for a long time, isn't he? That's right. I, I knew him for 15 years before I started out to write this book about him. What sort of person was he when you first met him, and how did you maintain your acquaintance with him? Give us an idea of Daniel Suelo through the years. Well, when I met him, I would say that he and I were very similar. We'd both been to college, and we had, instead of choosing a promising career path, were more or less living like dropouts in the town of Moab, Utah. I was living in my car, and he was soon after uh, living in a, outside camping out. And we were both working as short order cooks in a diner. And this was 1993. And so we ran in the same circle of friends, but we never became very close. And over the years, I heard through my friends that he had stopped using money and that he was living in a cave. And I just assumed that he had gone crazy. I couldn't figure out any other explanation for that type of behavior. And it wasn't until 2009, after the economy fell apart, that I started to read about him in a couple magazine stories and news stories, and I became fascinated by what he was doing. I I started to realize that he was not just a a dropout or uh, someone who couldn't hack it in society. He was someone who had a very principled, philosophical, and religious reason behind what he was doing. Tell us about how you started out to write this book in terms of approaching a man that you'd known for so many years out of the blue and saying, I want to write a book about you. Was he amenable to this at first? He was. Actually, it was a bit of a coincidence because the publisher reached out to him originally. They'd read about him and wrote to him on his email account and asked if he would be interested in writing a book about his life. And... They didn't find a a working way to do that because Daniel wouldn't accept any money for the book and he would only want it to be, uh, he wanted the book to be given away for free. And furthermore, the publisher was interested in having a professional writer get in there and try it. And as it happened, the publisher knew me and knew that I had lived in Moab and called me up and said, hey, have you heard of this guy? And I said, yeah, I know him. So suddenly the three of us were all having this triangular conversation, and I wrote to Daniel explaining what about his story interested me, and he wrote back saying well, he, that he actually had read my first two books and liked them, and he was open to the idea. So we went ahead with it. When you decided to tell this story, talk about the approach you chose and why you chose that approach and how you both researched and crafted the book we read, because it's a really compelling story. Thank you. Well, I think, first of all, I, I approached it like a magazine feature where there's a human interest story. There's a guy living without money in a cave, and, you know, I knew the reader would want to know the basic details of how he survives, where he gets his food, shelter, clothing, how he stays healthy. Does he have, you know, lovers? Does he have friends? 
And, um, you know, does he find this fulfilling? Uh, does he find this spiritually rewarding way of living? So those were the first set of questions I would have to answer, and I figured I could do that in a, in a basically a magazine-type story. But as I got to know him better, I realized he had just an incredibly compelling biography, uh, complete with near-death experiences, travels in foreign countries, living in the wilderness, uh, you know, kind of a lifelong quest for enlightenment. And so I, I realized this was going to be his biography as well as just a feature about how he lives today. And then, of course, there was an essay element of it, too. I needed to explain to the reader why I thought this was relevant, you know, because this wasn't just a guy who, say, lived without shoes. Like, there's something uh, significant about living without money, um, because we live in a very commercial society, and everyone uses money, and to not use money is, is considered insanity. So, and especially with the collapse of the economy, I, I, I saw some of what he was doing as prophetic. He had been saying all along that money was an illusion, and the rest of us were being forced to concede that maybe he had a point, you know, if our million-dollar house was suddenly worth only $600,000. That, that 400000 was seemed illusory. And then the last element of it was, I guess, memoir. I, you know, I wanted to add my own story to this because these ideas about enlightenment and about materialism and about capitalism, uh, about living closer to nature, living more simply, these are things that I have wrestled with my whole life, and I've gone about halfway on most of them. You know, I've, per I've, 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 done, I've done everything halfway, and here was Daniel doing everything 100%. And because we had been so similar in 1993, and now we're so different, you know, and now I own houses and pay mortgages and have the IRA and everything else, I thought that including my own story would really show a sharp contrast to his story. I have to imagine that as you went back and remade his acquaintance in his new life from the perspective of your new life, that both of you went through some changes. And I'd like you to talk just a little bit about how writing this book about his life and your life changed both of your lives. Well, we did reach some very strange sort of mind-melding. I'll give you one example. You know, I, I interviewed... Daniel on tape for 20 or 30 hours, and I think I ended up with 111 pages of single-spaced manuscript or transcript of his talking, and he tends to be a very, uh, very articulate but also very esoteric and sometimes rambling speaker. He will, you know, skip from one idea to the next very quickly, and so I went through these hundreds of pages and picked the nuggets that I thought were the best, and I, and I organized them in, like, very uh, crisp paragraphs, which is the way I typically write. And months later, I went back and interviewed him with a video camera to do some promo for the book, and I started asking him these same questions that I'd asked him a year before. And he'd begin to answer them in the paragraphs that I had written out, <laughs> it's as, if, as if, you know, I had organized his thoughts for him and somehow telepathically communicated to this, this to him. So that was very strange to, to watch that happen. I think that just the process of having someone ask you so many questions and grill you on your life and your belief system uh, 
might cause anyone to become a little more concise and a little more um, clear about their own their own path of their life. And as for how it's affected me, you know, I've I've come around to really uh, giving some credence to his idea that money is an illusion. And once you start feeling that way, it's kind of like the the crack in the levee. You know, you start to realize that we've built our entire civilization around this belief that these pieces of paper mean something or these numbers on a computer mean something. And when you realize it's just a belief system, suddenly the whole thing seems a little bit fragile. Like if if we chose to live according to a different system, we could. Um, I think that's caused me to really rethink what I do with my money, how much I value it, how I spend it, and whose hands I want to, it to end up in. I've been speaking with Mark Sundin. His new book is The Man Who Quit Money. Thank you for joining me, Mark. Thank you. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.